Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What an editing process, but it's going to be a heck of a pod. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We make radio shows every day here. We turn them into podcasts. We also make podcasts. A lot of times we play some of those podcasts here on the radio. It's a great uh, collaboration that we have, and uh, we do it because you guys love listening to all of it so much. So uh, we talked all things Big Sky Conference football the last two days here on, the, I guess three days in a row here on the show. We also gave all our Big Sky preseason picks earlier today. Myself and Andrew Houghton submitted the polls today. We went uh, pretty deep into the league from a narrative standpoint and a player standpoint last night. So uh, sometime here in the next little while, probably have to wait till the commercial break to press publish. We'll have a new Big Sky Breakdown podcast breaking down our all-league picks. We will talk uh, all things college football here today. Second hour, Jim O'Day will be co-hosting with me. Uh, he, former athletic director at the University of Montana and a guy that's uh, got a pretty good um, bead on the wide world of college sports, particularly when it comes to Conference membership, potential conference realignment. Uh, what does it take? Uh, he was the AD at Montana when Montana briefly flirted with maybe moving up to the FBS. That's been a common talking point since then. It's more profound now, not because it's more possible, but because the shifting across college football is certainly real. So what does Jim think of the state of affairs in college football uh, and college sports? What do you think of the NIL era and you know, the, the one-time transfer rule and all that sort of stuff. We'll get to all of it, plus uh, just some theoreticals on 
what maybe the future might hold or what are the best case and worst case scenarios for the Montana schools. It'll be fun having Jim in studio here for hour number two. We're also going to talk some paddleheads. They clinched the first half again because, of course, they did. That's five uh, half pennants for the paddleheads. You win a pennant for winning each half of the season. The paddleheads have won five in a row now. That's a Pioneer League record, so I'll break that down uh, a little bit. Also, a couple of news briefs from around the state of Montana. But we get things started here today. With a continuation of our senior spotlight, our second young lady from the Magic City joining us here uh, in just a brief moment. Our guest this week, senior spotlight highlighting some of the best individual athletes from the high school ranks, recently graduated seniors at this point, uh, but both boys and girls athletes, most of whom are going on to uh, great opportunities at the collegiate level. And our guest this week, Elisa Keller, she's a recent graduate of Billings West High School, and she was the Montana Gatorade Track Athlete of the Year, I guess Track and Field Athlete of the Year, because this young lady, one of the best javelin throwers uh, in the country, she's on her way to BYU uh, to throw the javelin. So we'll get to all the rest of it, paddleheads, college football, and everything else uh, around the state of Montana here on Nuanas Now. But we go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in, Elisa Keller, uh, here to the show. Elisa, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Very good. Uh, first of all, just tell us about uh, these last couple weeks. It's always an exciting time when you're you're graduating high school and getting ready for the next steps. And I know you are on your way uh, moving down to Southern Utah to go to school there at BYU and Provo. But what's it been like just going through graduation and sort of saying goodbye to your time at Billings West High School? Honestly, it's definitely been sad because I have to leave all my friends, but I'm, I'm happy to be done with the school part. For sure. And, and uh, it, it always hard towards the end of your senior year, right? I mean, you're like itching for summer. You're itching just to, to move on, right? Yes, definitely. Well, uh, tell us about this sort of your journey in track and field. You're pretty new to the sport, right? Yes, I started last year. Pretty amazing to go from starting last year uh, to then being a multiple-time state champion and uh, the all-time greatest thrower in the history of Class AA. Uh, you set the the uh, all, or I guess the meet record there, the AA record at the state meet, and, and really flirted with the all-class record. So, how did it come so naturally to you? How did you get so into javelin so quickly? Well, so I never last year before last year I never had actually thrown it, so it was actually really surprising. But I would say probably my background in sports, that's probably helped me a lot to get into it pretty fast. And I, I am a pretty fast learner, so that probably helped too. And I also had like amazing coaches to help me on the side too. What was your background in sports before you started doing track? Uh, I played soccer, basketball, and volleyball, and that was really all. So certainly you've competed before, though, so that's, that's very cool. Um, yeah. Just in terms of sort of learning the skill of it. You mentioned your coaches. Who sort of taught you how to do it? Why'd you pick the javelin initially? So there's this coach. Uh, he actually used to go at BYU, and his name's Chris Reno. He actually is the one that got me into javelin because I was just throwing a PVC pipe in the backyard one day, and he comes and he's like, wow, you'd be really good at throwing the javelin. And I was like, wait, really? Then he told me that, like, freshman year, but I didn't do it because – I was just, I had already done basketball and volleyball, so I was like, maybe not track this year. And I didn't do it sophomore year, but then junior year, I didn't play volleyball, and then I played basketball, and then we were asked if we were going to do track and field that year, and I was like, I wasn't thinking about it. But then I thought about it more, and then I did it, and then, yeah, so that's how I got into throwing the javelin. Did you love it right away, or what, what sort of gravitated you to it? What made you stick with it? I, it was, I loved it so much. I was 
because my first week, that was like the only thing I kind of like knew about. So I went and did it, and then that was just what I stuck with. Lisa Keller joining us here on Nuanas. Now, recent graduate of Billings West High School and the Montana Gatorade Track Athlete of the Year this last year. Great javelin thrower there uh, for the Golden Bears. Uh, when you heard you won the Gatorade Award, what was your reaction? What did you think? I Well, at first, I actually didn't know I got it until I looked at my phone and I saw someone that texted me. And I was like, wow, I was just, I was in awe. It was, it was awesome because I never knew I'd get here. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and this is such a great state for particularly girls track and field. I mean, there is amazing athletes on the female side uh, in high school track and field. So, I mean, big honor for you. That must have been pretty cool to hear that you, you had won over all these other great uh, athletes. Yes. No, yeah, it was Yeah, it was awesome. When it came to uh, just sort of the, the, the repetition that it takes to train, did you have any secrets or did you have anything that really helped accelerate uh, your, your prowess? Because, I mean, you went from – being okay to the best in the state at this so fast. <laughs> Is there anything particular you did training-wise? Well, I would say spending my time not just, like, practicing the job, but also in the weight room. Like, that was a big thing with me, kind of, like, getting me stronger, making me, like, more fit, like, jumping, running, all that. Definitely helped me more with javelin. What, was there a moment that you, you sort of reset what your goals would be and, and started chasing these big-time goals like the all-class state record? Definitely after last year, my goals changed. After I won state last year, I was like, wow, I have, like, so much more in me. I know, like, I need to make, like, bigger goals for me next year. When it comes to challenging then the all-class state record, you just barely missed it, but you did have a couple throws this year that were better than that. It's, it's sort of weird in Montana where you have to set the state record at the state meet. Uh, I think it's yeah. for standardization reasons. But but either way, I mean, did you feel any pressure trying to chase that all-class state record? Or what would you think? I mean, setting the double-A record is nothing to sneeze at. Pretty darn impressive as well. So um, what was your sort of perspective just on chasing that all-class record? Well, I definitely felt pressure because, like, I had all these big throws, and I – like I knew I needed like I need to keep doing this so I I was definitely overwhelmed but then I like I'd like calm my mindset and positive thinking is what I think having a good mental mind that's what like really helped me and then just all my drills and all my training is what also helped me get, reach that goal well, that's what's so cool about track and field to me, especially disciplines like the javelin, right? Because you, you you train so repetitively and then you have to put it into action in these big moments. But then if you can just revert back to your training, you can, right? So, I mean, is, is that kind of what you're talking about? Just sort of going back to what you knew from, from all the work you'd already done? Yes. Yeah. Lisa Keller here on uh, Nuanas Now. She is a uh, recent graduate, Billings West High School. Montana Gatorade Track and Field Athlete of the Year. It's our senior spotlight. It's presented by Blaine McElmurray and McElmurray Holmes. What do you think about this new opportunity then uh, at BYU? I mean, first of all, how, how did that sort of come about? When did you first start get recruiting, uh, getting recruited by the Cougars, and, and what do you think of this chance you got? That was, I got, started getting recruited at the beginning, or kind of late last year, like at the end of last year, and then I went and um, toured there during December, and then it kind of went on from there. Like at first I didn't like really know if I want to do sports there yet, but after I did the tour there, I was like, wow, I really want to go here and go to Javelin. They have such an amazing program, amazing coaches. And then he kind of told me like, he's like, well, if you want to commit, just text me. And then so like a couple months later I texted him and I was like, I really want to 
go javelin there. And then, yeah. What, what about just the everything else besides the track program did you like? I mean, what did you like about uh, the university and, and the campus and stuff? The people there were really nice. And I'd say they have, like, they have, like, a lot, like, a lot, like, they have really good health care programs, which, and I want to go into the health care, so that's a good thing. And um, also, Provo, just they have so much more to do. And I just, I loved everything when I went there. Well, very cool. When do you take off and when do you officially move down there? Um, late August, end of August, probably around like August 30th. So you've been involved in so many different sports throughout your life. So what do you think of now just the chance to just concentrate on one? It's also sort of a weird waiting game, right? Because the javelin, only an outdoor sport. So you'll probably be training inside for a whole bunch of your freshman year and then and get to outdoor track in the spring. So uh, for, I guess first of all, to start with, well, though, what do you think of just concentrating on one thing? Actually, I kind of like being able to just concentrate on one thing. I feel like it's definitely less stressful, and then it helps me to get better at at it. So I'm actually really <laughs> excited just to do one thing. Will it be weird, though, to have to wait to actually compete in a meet? Or are you, are you looking forward to having sort of an elongated training block? Um. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I – because they have an indoor season there. Oh, nice. Okay. I don't, yeah, but I don't know if they throw javelin indoor. But when I went visited, I don't think they did. So I will have that elongated, like, training process. So I think it'll probably be, like, a long way, and I'll probably be just really eager to, like, just get to track me already. But by the time it, like, gets to spring, at least I'll be, like, ready to throw. Yeah, no, for sure. That should be uh, awesome. Elisa Keller joined us here on Nuanas now. A recent graduate of Billings West High School. It's our senior spotlight presented by Blaine McElmurray and McElmurray Holmes, as well as Dazzler's Car Wash of Missoula. What sort of things do you think helped you then uh, over these last couple of years? Obviously, a, a cool opportunity to sort of uh, land with this great coach that helped helped develop you. But I mean, what sort of, of lessons? What sort of things will you take from your time at Buildings West? How do you think that prepared you for the college level? Well, first, like amazing coaches. I had an amazing high school coach. He made javelin much so much more fun. Um, the amazing teachers that kind of like prepared me for college and. Also, my family, greatest supporters ever, and they've just—they've also really helped me to get to this moment. And I just—I feel—I feel really ready to move on. It was your—I mean, what does your family think? Provo's a little bit uh, of a ways away, but not—I mean, not—not not a crazy amount. So, I mean, what, what does everybody think of you uh, going down uh, to Southern Utah? They're actually really excited for me. I actually have some family that lives down there too, which is really nice. Well, that'd but, be good. Yeah, they're all excited for me. Well, well very cool. Uh, we, we appreciate you for taking the time. Uh, last thing then, what will you remember most from your high school career? I mean, how how will you kind of sum it up and what will you remember from your time at Billings West? All my memories with my friends, definitely. Like, I'm definitely going to take all those with me. Well, that's what it's all about. And uh, we are, are proud of you. We wish you the best of luck. And uh, we'll be following along while you're down there at BYU. But uh, thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Of course. Thank you. There you go, Elisa Keller. Billings West graduate, Montana Gatorade Track and Field Athlete of the Year. I mean, it really is amazing. Even just picking up the sport and being even sort of, I mean, if you just picked up the sport as a junior and you you made it to state a couple times, that'd be very impressive. This young lady picked up the javelin and, and within three months was the state champion. And within like a year and three months, about 15 or 16 months, was the greatest double-A javelin thrower of all time. <laughs> it's really uh, amazing, just sort of the, the rapid ascension 
uh, that she had. So um, really, really impressive to go from never doing the sport. I mean, her throw, her best throw that won the Eastern Divisionals this year, Eastern AA Divisionals, of 157 feet, one inch. First of all, it's the second farthest throw in the history of the state of Montana. Second of all, though, uh, that was the, I think, at the end of the high school season, at, at one point it was the fifth best throw in the country. It held at seven for a really for about a month, and then a couple more climbed in and bumped her right out of the top ten. But still, I mean, nothing to sneeze at. You're talking, uh, I think, the 11th best throw in the nation by a, a high school girl. So certainly um, something to be proud of, and uh, Elisa Keller, a lot to be proud of, and we wish her the best of luck uh, down there at BYU. It's is now, ESPN Radio, our senior spotlight presented by Blade McElmurray and McElmurray Homes. McElmurray Homes, the best custom home builders in western Montana. You want the project done right, give Blade McElmurray and his team a call. They also are fierce supporters of high school athletics uh, around the city of Missoula and around the state of Montana. Also, thank you to Dazzler's Car Wash. Dazzler's Car Wash right next to us here on Radio Way. Treat your car like it deserves to be treated uh, at all summer long. Uh, at Dazzler's Car Wash. Upcoming tomorrow, we got some fun stuff, including the revival of a really interesting segment. We've done these uh, on and off over the years, for the last couple years at least. Uh, Our good friend of the show, Dr. Michael Wright, he's an orthopedic surgeon at Missoula Bone and Joint and uh, also our, our sort of analyst, I guess we should say our professor when it comes to uh, talking all things orthopedic injuries. Orthopedic injuries happen so often in the sporting world. And Dr. Michael Wright's so good at explaining what does it actually mean to have a, a plantar fascia injury or a high ankle sprain or an ACL tear? What does it mean? How do you rehab it? How do you go about getting back to healthy? What sort of uh, sort of circumstances does varying sports play into uh, each injury? So I caught up with Dr. Wright earlier today, and uh, we'll play that for you tomorrow. Uh, plantar fasciitis is what we talked about. And uh, really interesting comments from Dr. Michael Wright about the big guys in the NBA. As we know, foot injuries can be the absolute kiss of death for really, really tall NBA players. But we have these two sort of prodigious and also almost freakish players right now in the NBA. Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, who was a top three pick two years ago for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then Victor Webanyama, who uh, right now, I don't know, I mean, is this guy the most famous guy on the planet at this exact moment? I, I mean, he's he's up there, and his ascension has been rapid ever since becoming the number one overall pick by the San Antonio Spurs. But both these guys are 7'3 plus. They're both particularly... Slight. The other thing, though, is they both move and jump really well, which then makes the the risk for injury way higher. So we talked about that, like sort of this this front end work that both these guys have already been doing to protect their feet and their low extremities. So uh, that's coming up. Um, so stay tuned for that tomorrow. Sports Medicine Journal. Also, usually on Thursdays. Our good friend Carolyn, the ticket doesn't know sports, kicks it with us. and uh, But because we have Jim O'Day coming in here in studio for hour number two, Carolyn will join us tomorrow, so you can look forward to that uh, as well. We also have uh, some uh, sound bites and some reactions from Camp Marty, Marty Mornoweg's camp down there at uh, Missoula County Public High School. Or Missoula County Public Stadium, I should say. Missoula County Public High School has not existed since the 1960s. <laughs> but the stadium down there at Missoula Big Sky, that's where uh, Coach Marty's camp will be. 
uh, tutoring some of the best high school quarterbacks in the state. So that's coming up uh, as well. The top headline right now on ESPN.com, or I guess one of the top headlines right now, is uh, that the New York Jets have signed Quinn Williams uh, to a contract. This is uh, a heck of a deal for the New York Jets, if you ask me. They signed Quinn Williams, their former uh, top pick out of Alabama, been in the league for, I think, three years now. They get him for four years, $96 million. Now, it's crazy because, you know, 10 years ago, that would be a jaw-dropping number for the player. Now that's a jaw-dropping number because of how cheap that seems for a player of Williams' quality. I've talked about him a lot. I think he's one of the best interior defensive linemen uh, in the NFL. Um, he had one year remaining on his rookie contract. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is that, I mean, four years, $96 million. So he's going to be making about $24 million per season. That just seems like a ridiculously good deal because Aaron Donald's getting paid like $32 million a season, I think. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee Titans is also a, a guy with a sort of similar contract. I guess the quarterbacks are just making everything skewed. I know all quarterbacks and all defensive tackles are certainly not created equal, but I do think that four years from now we'll look back and think that the Jets got a steal by paying Quinn Williams, uh, quote-unquote, just $24 million a year. $66 million guaranteed uh, is what this deal is worth. But the uh, the Jets continue to make waves. Did you see this, too? The Jets are on hard knocks this year. So this is going to be, uh, at the same time, entertaining and uh, <laughs> perhaps just nauseating because of just how self-congratulatory uh, one Aaron Rodgers is, is sure to be. Uh, on this uh, this docuseries. If you're not familiar with it, it's HBO's yearly five-part miniseries about training camp for uh, a specific NFL team, and they picked the uh, the team from the Big Apple, so we'll get plenty of face time for Aaron Rodgers. It's just what he wants. I know it's just what all you guys want as well. <laughs> Goodness. I can't wait till there's actually football to talk about instead of uh, just the speculation, but uh, can't wish time away. The Missoula Paddleheads are uh, having a historic year yet again. That's sort of been a common theme these last couple of years since they transitioned to the Paddleheads. We'll talk about their latest accomplishment. We'll also just talk about the, the level of baseball that uh, they've played at since becoming the Paddleheads and also sort of the, the little sample size we have now. It's been two and a half years of this unaffiliated, independent league minor league baseball. I think there's pros and cons to it. We'll discuss that. Plus, maybe pull out some more unbreakable baseball records as well. That's That was fun yesterday, so maybe we'll keep doing that as well. Baseball talk coming up. Keep it right here. Juan is now ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm, when it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. 
mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, we handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days, and that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I said I told this story earlier, but I gotta tell you, I felt really dumb because uh, I, we get the announcements a day or two early about who's coming to town when it comes to live music here uh, in Missoula in the Garden City, and I get the logjam email that Blues Traveler and. Big Head Todd and the Monsters are, are coming through. Well, Big Head Todd and the Monsters have played around Montana a bunch. They got some uh, pretty deep ties in the Bozeman and Big Sky area. I've actually seen them up in Big Sky twice. They've also played here in Missoula before, played at the Wilma. I did not go to that show, but I know a few people that did. Uh, so they're very fun. Blues Traveler, um, a really popular band in the 90s. But I thought John Popper, their lead singer, had died. So I was thinking, okay, well, it must be Blues Traveler with a new lead singer. Maybe they got a new lead singer, and they're just kind of opening for Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Well, no, that has informed that John Popper is certainly well uh, well and good and alive. And uh, guess what? Blues Traveler with John Popper as the lead singer in Missoula tonight. So that'll be a fun one. I'm on my way down there to the Kettle House Amphitheater right after the show. Uh, so very much looking forward to it. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. And the ESPN MT app. Hour number two, Jim O'Day going to join us, former athletic director at the University of Montana, to talk about the uh, the state of affairs in college football. It's one thing I I don't know if I love talking about it because it's largely depressing, but I do think it's important to talk about it and it's important to sort of stay ahead of the curve. And there's just so much depth to analyze. Everything's just changing so rapidly. So, um, and it seems like everybody has a different opinion about it. So we'll get some of Jim's uh, in hour number two. The Missoula Paddleheads are the champions once again. So in the Pioneer League, there's two halves. And the first half champion for the Pioneer League North and the Pioneer League South, and the second half champion from the Pioneer League North and the Pioneer League South, make the playoffs. That's been the same champion now for five halves in a row. For the Missoula Paddleheads, they pounded Great Falls last night, fifteen to five. They are now a uh, off to a thirty-three and twelve start. The all-time best half in Pioneer League history was last year's first half by the Paddleheads. They went thirty-five and twelve. There's three games remaining, so if they win all three against the Great Falls Voyagers on the road, the Paddleheads will have had the best first half in Pioneer League history. Also, this fifth in a row half title is ties a Pioneer League record. Pioneer League goes all the way back to 1939. This has only ever happened one other time. So this has certainly been a tremendous run by Missoula. They, they've they been, since they transitioned from uh, a rookie league affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks to the um, 
to an independent minor league baseball team, they've had pretty much unprecedented success. There's a lot that goes into that as well. As we sort of predicted and analyzed, one of the best parts, but also one of the toughest parts about being an affiliated rookie league team is that you'd see a lot of great talent, for sure. You see a lot of raw talent, a lot of really young, but but very intriguing, if not unpolished, prospects. Well, now most of the guys that play for the Missoula Paddleheads are not necessarily that that really intriguing 19-year-old prospect. You know, like the they have a, they have a they used to have a great Latin American influence because the Arizona Diamondbacks have a uh an academy in Boca Chica in the Dominican Republic and also the Arizona Diamondbacks do a great job of of scouting Central and South America for talent. So there's been a lot of Latin American guys that have came through when it was the Missoula Osprey. You'd see a lot of really electric players that were really, really raw. Like Sergio Santos comes to mind, who was a top five overall pick and came here uh, for just just a couple weeks. But that was the thing is you'd get guys here, you'd get to see these guys that, you know, are evaluated as potential guys that could make it all the way to the show, all the way to the, the big leagues. But then you'd, uh, those guys would be here for just a couple weeks. You'd have to go figure out a way to see them. And then, then if they were, if you missed them, then they'd be gone. They'd get called up, moved up to South Bend or Lancaster or, or wherever within the, the affiliated ball. Well, now there has been actually a fair amount of guys that have played for the Paddleheads that then have moved on to affiliated ball. Basically, you got to sign a contract at the double-A level now uh, if you if you strike it big here uh, in independent ball. But you're also just not seeing that 19-year-old kid who's, who was just a, you know, first or second or third round draft pick. You're seeing a lot of guys that were maybe high draft picks a while ago, but that are a little bit older. I think that makes it so that the, the dedication to winning is at a higher level. You can actually build a team to try to win. Used to be that the number one priority for the Missoula minor league baseball team was to develop guys. And then if you happen to win, you happen to win. But so often if you had really good players and you have really good, that's why they do the halves, right? Because a lot of times guys would play great first halves and then they get traded or moved up or whatever in the second half. And so there was a lot of times where like the Osprey would be great in the first half and not very good in the second half or vice versa. But then they still get to the postseason uh, just because of that dynamic. Well, now this team is built to straight up win, and they've invested as much in the in their roster as anybody in the Pioneer League. I think that's why they have such great talent compared to the rest of the Pioneer League. Uh, so I think that's that's the pro. You're going to get uh, more of an attitude of winning, more of an, an effort to put winning as the highest priority of your baseball team. I think that's that's good, and I think people have glommed onto that. It's also great for the casual fan of the Missoula Paddleheads to, or just the Pioneer League in general, but particularly Paddleheads, to know that this team is champions. Each and every time they could be champions so far since this sort of relatively new format began. On the other hand, you wonder, are the Paddleheads just going to always be this good? And if so, will they lose their luster? I don't know. I think people love winners first and foremost. 
I don't think there's that many people that are following minor league baseball here in the city of Missoula that are really diving in like, oh, man, the Paddleheads really outspend Great Falls by a bunch. That's why they're good. Oh, that's sort of boring. They just buy their championships. I don't think people are really thinking about it like that. I think if most of the time that they're following the Paddleheads, the Paddleheads are winning, and most of the time they're going to the ballpark and the Paddleheads are winning, I think that's a good thing. But it's also sort of hard to wrap your mind around, especially if you sort of understand statistics in baseball and you know how to analyze statistics in baseball because the statistics they're they're just rather absurd when you look at them i mean the paddleheads for example are hitting almost 340 as a team they have almost a 420 on base percentage as a team i mean that's that's amazing 42 percent of the time they go to the plate they get on base they're slugging like 600 as a team. They're averaging almost nine runs a game. The craziest part is there's two teams in the league that are averaging more runs per game than the Paddleheads. One of them, uh, the new team in Grand Junction, which is in the Southern Division, and then um, I, I can't remember the other one. Maybe the Glacier Range Riders. Regardless, even at nine runs almost per game, the Paddleheads still aren't the highest scoring team in the league. So I don't know. I think that you have to sort of go in with that sort of expectation, knowing that the games are going to be much higher scoring than what you maybe are accustomed to at either the professional level, the college level, or even you know American Legion, the high school level. You're going to see double-digit run totals way more often when you're watching the Pioneer League. So it's something I've sort of had to adjust to. Like I'm still trying to find my bearing. Like what is a really good average in this league? As we know, like in Major League Baseball, if you're hitting more than 270, you're hitting you're hitting well. Above 290 is great. Over 300, you're one of the top probably 15 or 20 hitters in the MLB. And if you're uh, up above 315, 320 these days, you're definitely contending for a batting title. Well, I mean, there's half the rosters hitting 350 for the Paddleheads right now. There's a couple guys hitting over 400. So how do you sort of adjust the statistical evaluation? I'm still trying to get that underneath me as well. I mean, they have a couple guys that have 45-plus RBI. I mean, again, they've played 45 games. So you're talking about averaging an RBI per game. So, I don't know, it's, it's certainly a, an adjustment, but it is cool to have a really successful team. I mean, that's the thing is, this entire Pioneer League, they've all embarked on this new adventure of independent minor league baseball. And so you can say, okay, the Paddleheads have invested more than some of the other teams. They also have more of an entrenched tradition. That's all fine and good. But everybody started from scratch, and the Paddleheads have done it better than anybody in the Pioneer League, and that's a testament to then yet another pennant uh, here hanging uh, for Missoula's minor league baseball team. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of this? I mean, how do you sort of wrap your mind around the statistical production? Do you have to sort of readjust? I know we've sort of talked about this before, but it's just interesting. Like, the Paddleheads clinched the pennant last night by scoring 15 runs and and paying out 21 hits. I mean, you're talking like video game, but even more numbers here uh, offensively all year long and for three years now for the Paddleheads. Yeah, I think you just have to readjust. I mean, the thing to remember really is that baseball at this level – Minor league baseball at this level is more of an in-person experience than anything else, that's right? right? That's like right. Like th- that's what matters. I mean, uh, we do it because because we love baseball and and they're the local team, but there aren't a ton of people who are really uh, diving into the stats and trying to compare and contrast with with other levels of of baseball, right? I mean, the the number one most important thing is the the in-person experience at this level. So I think. Um, you know, maybe it's something that we're focusing on more than a lot of other Missoula Paddleheads fans or people who go uh, to these games. But yeah, I think you just you just have to readjust a little bit. You have to have different statistical benchmarks in your head, um, 
You know, I I said it before. I think you know if a guy's hitting three hundred in this league, that's the average. That's where a guy right. should be. Yeah, you know, you you probably need to be hitting over three hundred to to be in a lineup in this league, more or less. So so you just readjust, and I I like the point you made about everybody's starting from the same level, right? I I actually like this a great deal more, and I think it's really impressive what the paddleheads have done. If you like, you know, meritorious competition, this is the best thing going because, like you said, everybody started from scratch again. It takes away sort of the randomness of minor league baseball. I mean, who gets promoted, who gets demoted, who's being told to work on a particular pitch at the expense of another pitch, who's being told to work on hitting to the opposite field during a game. Well, What's so impressive about the Paddleheads is all of those incentives were taken away and the incentive became to field the best team possible. And the Paddleheads have been really impressive doing that, not only with the players they've gotten on the field, but with with management, with going out and finding these players every season. I mean, Ryan Cash, who had the big game in the pennant clincher yesterday. Yeah, he's a guy they just signed. It's (laughs) not like... Every time they lose a guy, I mean, Jason Newman, the the Pioneer League MVP from last season, he's been out for the majority of the season for the Paddleheads. He's been dealing with injuries. (laughs) Right, and the guy who's playing first base now, Jake Gunther, is is their leading hitter. It's really impressive. (laughs) It's amazing. We had um, Gary Horton on the show uh, a couple years ago when the Paddleheads first made this transition, and he's been sort of this, I don't even want to misdefine his title. He's He's like a special scout. He he's like the the guy that's really helping them evaluate, and uh, I mean he was the former head coach at Cal State Fullerton. He coached at Oregon, so he has a ton of baseball experience. Really helped turn Cal State Fullerton into a, a true uh, juggernaut, a true College World Series contender. Often, and that I mean Horton has been the guy that's been sort of the guy that's identified some of these gems. He also, when they lose players, he can go out and find guys. So he's been an integral role, or he played an integral role in in forming the roster. So uh, it is interesting. We did uh, most unbreakable record. That's the news of the day: is the Paddleheads of the champions once again. They got three games left in the first half. If they win all three, they'll set the first half Pioneer League record. They'll be 36 and 12 if they win their next three there uh, in Great Falls. You can find all the Missoula Paddleheads action. Uh, here on ESPN Radio pretty much every night all summer long. Jeff Safford will be on the call, and uh, we appreciate you anytime you tune in. We also talked unbreakable baseball records the other day on the show, and uh, I thought I found uh, some more. I found this uh, fun Wikipedia page uh, with, with writings about some of the most unbreakable ones. Andrew brought up a couple of the records from Cy Young, 511 wins, 749 career complete games. I mean, those are absolutely unbreakable. But here's one I found, Andrew, that is uh, just laugh out loud funny. Jack Taylor, uh, who was a pitcher at the turn of the century, the early 1900s, he uh, pitched for the Chicago Orphans, which then became the Chicago Cubs from 1898 to 1903. And then the St. Louis Cardinals from 1904 to 1906, and then back to the Cubs for two more seasons. But but this is uh, this is unbelievable. He threw 39 consecutive complete games, and he also pitched in 202 consecutive games without being relieved. So the difference here is that he pitched a bunch of complete games, and then he sort of became the relief pitcher, and then he would never come out of the game. But 202 straight games. 
So from June 20th of 1901 until August 13th of 1906, Jack Taylor was never relieved in a game ever. That's just, that's so far from unbreakable. It's not even, it's that's like hard to even comprehend. Yeah, I mean, that's a completely different sport that they were playing back no, then, right? for sure. We talk about how much the NFL has changed, but in terms of how pitchers are used, what pitchers are expected to do, um, the game has certainly changed. And I, I like a comparison that you made yesterday about how Ricky Henderson's stolen base record will probably never be broken. Yeah, Both of his stolen bases records, actually, for, for single season and for a career. Because analytics tells teams and managers not to take risks anymore. Exactly. I think on a, on a much larger scale, that's what's happened to the pitchers as well, right? Uh, why don't send that guy back out for another inning? Keep him on a strict pinch, pitch yeah, count. Yeah. Minimize risk. And it's been a 100-year, a, a century-long evolution towards minimizing risk uh, that has sort of put all of those old-timey pitching records out of reach. When's the last time you saw somebody steal third? Ellie De La Cruz did it. It was on all the highlight reels. Then he immediately stole home. <laughs> That's right. He did. He's different. He's ridiculous. He's just so electric, and I, I love what he's doing for the game. But but that used to be the part of the thrill, right, was watching Ricky Henderson steal third, especially because he would bait you and he would make you think he was doing it, and then he would actually do it. One of the few guys ever where you could know he's going to steal and he could still do it because he was that fast. No one is now ESPN Radio, uh, SWX Montana Television, uh, and the ESPN MT app. We we talked about some of the other pitching records. Nolan Ryan's five thousand seven hundred fourteen strikeouts is probably pretty far out of reach as well. I don't know. I think the the triples record was a good one that you brought up yesterday too by Sam Crawford. But a lot of the other ones that I don't know. I, I guess it, we're sort of in wait and see mode. I, th- I mean, I think the, the last one that I was going to bring up because I have this cool picture of him over here. I, maybe I'll put it on camera uh, during our next break. But uh, Hack Wilson's RBI record, o- only because I, I used to always think that when I was a kid and I used to play baseball video games all the time, you'd always be chasing these records. You could definitely figure out a way to hit 401 in baseball or, or you know hit over 400. You could definitely figure out a way to get your guys, you know, 20 plus wins or, or whatever. But no matter how what easy a setting you put it on or how juiced up your roster was or whatever, 191 RBI in 162 games, it, it's just crazy math. Like you just have to have so many opportunities to be able to do it. And then you 154 also, games back then, right? Exactly. So I mean, that's another one where I think that you're just never gonna see it again. I mean, now I mean guys are are getting Guys that are among the league leaders are getting about halfway there now. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible season. The closest that anybody has gotten to it in recent memory is Manny Ramirez had 165 in 1999. That's an insane season. Yeah, for sure. And and we talked about sort of the elements that allowed him to to even get 165, like hitting behind Kenny Lofton and and Roberto Alomar and those guys. It's not a coincidence that of the modern era... The guys that have had, and they didn't really even get that close, but the guys that have chased this 
at the highest level. Three of them, not all three, but the, but not not the three most, but definitely three that were in the mix, that 150 to 160 range. Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez, and Juan Gonzalez. It's because that's how the, the Indians would roll. Kenny yep. Lofton was hitting 320 every year. Roberto Alomar was a walking machine who also had hit 300. Carlos Baerga, once upon a time, was a great two-hitter for the Indians, too. So there's just always guys on base. Do you think that that, real quick here, do you think that that one, I think that one's a little bit more reachable, actually, than the runs record. The, the all-time record for runs scored is 198 by Billy Hamilton, the old Billy 198. Hamilton. 198. That one's unreachable. <laughs> the the post nineteen hundred record is a hundred and seventy seven by wow. Babe Ruth. One of those years with the Yankees. I think that is is just as untouchable as Hack Wilson's one ninety one. I think that's that's right. And the fact that that's in the post dead ball era too, uh, amazing. We're gonna keep uh, unearthing some of these unbreakable records because it is really fun and it, it's just fun to remember uh, the history of the game. Thanks so much for tuning in to On Is Now ESPN Radio. Uh, how about a couple news briefs from around the state of Montana? That's next. Keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. ESPN Radio Missoula. It's interesting to me, uh, having spent a lot of time and lived in both uh, Missoula and Bozeman, there's a lot of similarities, there's a lot of differences. Um, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, I had never really heard of them until I lived in Bozeman, but they have like deep ties to Bozeman. I've been told the story before, but it's very convoluted and and sort of a winding road. So I can't really remember. So I'm not going to try to tell you the specific story. But all I need to know is that Big Head Todd and the Monsters definitely have great friends in Bozeman and they come back to Bozeman and or Big Sky all the time. There's also a couple local bands in the area that always play Big Head Todd and the Monsters covers when they have different gigs. I worked at this crazy ranch, actually called the Crazy Mountain Ranch, up in uh, Wilson, Montana, right outside of Clyde Park. I guess Dead Rock, Montana is where it's technically at. It's the Marlboro Ranch. I actually am not really allowed to tell you that much about it. It was definitely one of the craziest uh, summers of my life, though. But they had this this band that would play sort of part country and part um, rock and roll. And they would always play Big Head Town and the Monsters songs, including... That one there, Big Head Todd, the Monsters, and Blues Traveler out there at the uh, Kettle House Amphitheater tonight. Uh, I can't wait. going to be a fun one. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Got to say a special thanks to Man Mortgage for their continued support of us here on the show. They are uh, currently the sponsor of our community spotlight. Our community spotlight, uh, Chris Redpath. One of our contributing uh, Big Sky Conference women's basketball analysts, she highlights various organizations around the state, and Demand Mortgage helps bring you that message. This last week, we highlighted the Silver Linings Foundation, which is a cool uh, organization. They bring women 
that are breast cancer survivors together so they can have a shared experience and they can have activities, uh, friends, companionship. They can talk about their, their sort of shared adversity and shared triumphs. Really cool. And uh, so I just wanted to say thanks again to Rob Fleming and his team. Man Mortgage, your local hometown mortgage lenders. If you're looking to buy or build a new home this year, refinance to a lower rate or use your home's equity for an exciting new project, make sure to call Man Mortgage. Family-owned Montana company, Man Mortgage, has been serving Montana's communities statewide since 1989. Man Mortgage, tried, trusted, and proven. couple news briefs from around the state of Montana that are of interest. Uh, familiar names that we've talked about around here quite often. Jamie Pickens was one of the great high school basketball players in the state of Montana over the last uh, decade or so. She was a three-time state champion at Helena High, a two-time Montana Gatorade Player of the Year. She was a top 100 recruit in the country coming out of Helena High, four-star recruit, and she ended up committing to the Lady Grizz. Well, she played for the Lady Grizz for a year. I I thought she was the best freshman in the league that year. She didn't have the best statistics. She had good statistics. She just I can't remember who won freshman of the year that year, but I thought Jamie Pickens was the most talented freshman in the uh, in the league that year. But then as often happens, when there's coaching changes, you got roster turnover. And and Shannon Schwain uh, was let go at the University of Montana, and that caused Jamie Pickens to transfer. She ends up back in her hometown at Carroll College, and there at Carroll, she's been a a multiple-time All-Frontier Conference performer. She was the uh, Frontier Conference Player of the Year a year ago. So she certainly had great success there uh, for uh, Rochelle Sayers and the Saints. She played as a true freshman, and uh, so then she was one of those uh, young ladies that have this unique opportunity to get a fifth year even though you've already played four years. There's only a few athletes that get this. It seems to have been more prevalent in women's basketball than than a lot of the other sports that we covered. Part of that's because you can break in early, and we had some really talented gals that did break in early, especially from Montana. So then they play their four years, and they get this unorthodox and unprecedented fifth year Jay Pickens, she now she's taken her fifth year. So I think this this makes Carroll College a true national title contender. They've been a perennial um, national tournament qualifier and threat. They've won several games at the national tournament with this group. They're going to have to find a new point guard. Uh, Jamie Pickens' old running mate, Cameron Hillboard, I, I believe she is now out of eligibility, but she's been a great point guard there uh, for Carroll College. But they do have uh, another former Lady Grizz, Kendall Keller, waiting in the wings. And Keller has played both the one and the two there for Carroll, but if she can take over on the ball, that could be pretty good. And they've done a really good job of, of stockpiling some of the best talent from in-state. And they have several gals that started their careers at the Division One level. So certainly a lot of talent at Carroll College and getting a, a a player of Pickens' pedigree to, to come back for a fifth and final year. Certainly a huge boost for the Saints. Another young man we've talked about a couple times. He was a senior spotlight subject last year, Brock Bladder. He's a Billing Central product. He was a 19th round draft pick during his high school days. He went to Alabama last year and now uh, is on his way to USC. Declared his transfer, announced it on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, Andrew, I don't follow college, follow college baseball well enough. Obviously, Alabama is so prestigious as a university and as a, an athletic program there in the SEC. Uh, but am I wrong in thinking that USC is an upgrade? I know USC has an outstanding baseball tradition. Are they still really good? 
No, they've fallen off quite a bit from uh, th- those days that you're remembering when, like, Mark McGuire and Randy Johnson were there. Uh, <laughs> kind of hard to do better than that. <laughs> they're still good, but, in fact, the entire sort of West Coast ecosystem of college baseball has fallen off a lot. And the, the How does real- that happen? Well, the, the SEC just absorbed everything. I mean, the real power yeah. of college baseball has sort of relocated very, very much to the SEC, but also um, the ACC as well, those teams in the Southeast, uh, the sort of mid-Atlantic corridor. But yeah, USC is is, is pretty good. Uh, they went 34-23 and 23 last year. Doesn't look like they made the national tournament. Uh, definitely a program with a lot of prestige there. The other thing, uh, of course, with Brock Blatter transferring from Alabama, Brian Bohannon, the Alabama coach, resigned after the gambling scandal midseason. Mm, so right. not surprised to see Brock Blatter That's leave right. after the season. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Brock Blatter can continue to, to uh, be a, a draftable prospect. The way it works in baseball is you can enter the draft as a high school kid or, or as uh, anybody that's affiliated, affiliated with a non-four-year college. But if you sign with a four-year college, then you have to wait for three years. So that's where sort of the game uh, gets sort of weird. A lot of That's why you see a lot of the, the top high school kids, if they don't accept their draft invitation and go right to the minors, they go to non-Division I programs. They go to junior colleges or they go to... Um, non-NCAA affiliated schools because then you are eligible for the draft still. I mean, Bryce Harper comes to mind, right? Bryce Harper obviously did it even before he had graduated high school, started playing in that Woodbat Junior College League down in Nevada. Um, but it, the timing is so interesting. So Brock Blatter now, though, has got a year of college under his belt. He's going to spend uh, at least one more year at USC, maybe two more, and then we'll see if he, be, he uh, remains uh, draft eligible. But uh, a kid from Billings, Montana, who's... Uh, I'm not gonna, a good, a good, solid uh, pitching prospect. It, it, it's, it's a good story. It's cool. Uh, one last thing to note about USC baseball. Do you know who coached at USC baseball in the 1920s? Who was the head coach? The head coach of USC baseball in the 1920s. Um, Cy Young. Sam Crawford. Sam Crawford, was the, the head coach guy. of USC baseball for six years, starting in 1924. <laughs> The common theme here is the unbreakable records of baseball history, and Sam Crawford has the record for triples in a career. So we talked about him uh, yesterday on the show. A couple other news briefs here. Uh, Duncan Hamilton, uh, he performed in his first pro race at the U.S. uh, Track and Field Championships. Find the highlights on social media of the last lap of the steeplechase. If you think that just 3,000 meters are are just for, for crazy people that like to run long distances and this uh, this doesn't take physical t- it obviously takes mental toughness but if you think this doesn't take physical toughness watch this these guys are jockeying all around they're knocking each other over they're knocking each other off the spot uh Hamilton was in second and then got completely boxed out and then Kenneth Rooks spills on his face then the BYU stud gets up he's like in 10th place and out sprints everybody in the finish line somehow Hamilton finishes eighth so I know it's been a disappointing run here these last month or so for Duncan Hamilton. He was the, the number one guy in the world going into the national meet uh, for college. And then he, he ended up falling out uh, and got second in college, but got smoked by Rooks at the NCAA meet. And then Rooks wins the outdoor championships for the professional level as well. And Hamilton gets eighth. Uh, but he's certainly going to keep chasing that world qualifying time. The last note, Sage Brooks, who was a senior spotlight 
feature two years ago. She's a Missoula Hellgate product. She spent last year at Syracuse, but she's transferring to Oregon State. So another news brief, certainly uh, of interest of a local athlete from here in Missoula. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you, Jim O'Day. All things college football and the state of college athletics. Former Montana athletic director in studio with us. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.